Today we'll look at wind speeds, slow drones, a mini assignment, and we'll learn that telephoto compression isn't really a thing. This episode is brought to you by discoverthetopfloor.com. Join us on the February tour to explore Lake Baikal, the biggest and deepest and clearest freshwater lake. We'll drive on the clear six-foot ice, visit ice caves, witness bizarre landscapes of huge ice shards that look like they're straight out of a science fiction movie. You're in for some of the most amazing photography you've ever done. Check it out at discoverthetopfloor.com. This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 885 for November the 8th, 2019. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right, from the top floor. Hey, hello, welcome, it's Chris Mockridge, you're listening to Tips from the Top Floor. Uh, 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 my voice, <laughs> I'm a bit under the weather. Um, anyway, yeah, everyone here in the household is... Is kind of sick right now. Um, let's see what is going on. I'm just uh, about to finish up some of the uh, preparations for the uh, Lake Baikal tour in February. Uh, still one or two spots open. So if you're interested to come with us on uh, an adventure on the ice, on the world's biggest freshwater lake. Um, yeah, that... Uh, I'd love to have you. <laughs> um, other than that, and trying to recover from a cold, um, not much new here. Uh, oh, yeah. So last episode, I um, talked about the Mavic Mini, the DJI drone. It's been all over the news. And and uh, I tried to talk you out of it. <laughs> and I stand by, by what I said. Um, but there's that friend of mine, uh, whose name I will not say to protect the innocent, but um, it, okay, he's a bit crazy. He ordered a Mavic Mini about I don't know five minutes after it was announced. I mean, he must must have been the first person to order it. Uh, but yeah, as I said, he's a bit crazy because for him, I would I would even dare to go to go as far as saying that for him drones are almost like a disposable item because he already lost two of them he sank them in some bodies of water i wasn't there but uh i've i've heard the stories and i believe both times um and friend i know you're listening <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong i believe both times it was due to a miscalculation um and you, you see, here's how these drones typically work. You control them with an app on your phone that's connected to the remote control that comes with the drone. This is DJI stuff, but uh, a lot of other drones work that same way. And in this app, it will show you a bar on the top that represents the overall flight time that you have with the current battery. And uh, as you as you use up the battery, that bar just shrinks and uh, and gives you remaining flight time in minutes. So uh, if you fly the drone away from you, you'll have to make sure that you have enough battery for the drone to be able to to come back to you, right? <laughs> and the and the app will alert you if the battery is getting to the point where you need to return now, because uh, otherwise the drone won't make it. Uh, I think DJI's are even smart enough to initiate return to home if you. If you fail to to heed the warning, um, so it'll automatically come back to you and land using GPS. 
Now, when it comes to that uh, that range, there are two. Here's the two 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 big factors to factor into this. The number one is uh, is the question: Are you over water or are you over land? Because you can overwrite this, right? It won't necessarily come back to you if you tell it. Ah, no, I think I got another minute or two. Um, so, because if you're over land and the battery is really low, the drone will, when it gets to the point where it doesn't have enough energy to reliably be in the air, the drone will just land, you know? It'll just try to land safely. Uh, so it'll, it'll slowly descend, and uh, and uh, I think DJI then drops a marker in the app, so you can later go try to get to that point if it's accessible and pick up the drone, right? So not too much of an issue but if you're over water and you run out of battery well <laughs> that would be the situation to avoid because your drone is gone and uh, i've seen footage by another friend who the drone sends footage back to the phone and the phone records it at a lower resolution but it does record it and i've seen that footage of a friend uh, where the drone just couldn't come back to him and landed and then it sank and that was it um, but the second question, of course, is how is it possible that you get to that point, even if you don't override the warning and the return to home function, even if you let the drone do its thing? How is it possible that you get to the point where you, the drone cannot come back to you? Because there's ample warning from your app when you need to return. And that second factor is the wind, of course. Speed and direction of the wind. <laughs> because the app doesn't know any of this. So if you fly the drone away from you and the and it has the wind in its back, then when the battery's half full, it'll be further away than those 50% distance that it can still go. Because on the way back, it'll have to fly against the wind, <laughs> which, which makes it really bad, right? Because you have to add or subtract the wind speed to the ground speed of the drone and i believe that's what happened to my friend a couple of times and again actually two of my friends both flew over water and both didn't take the wind into account but even if you measure wind speed at ground level even if you have a meter with you the wind speed higher up where your drone flies is often different and usually faster and sometimes by quite a margin which uh, which excarburates things even more. So you kind of want to build in some safety margin there. Don't don't go until uh, it's almost too late. And let's look at the wind speeds those uh, those drones can can handle, or the actual speeds that the drones can fly over land. Let's say there's no wind whatsoever. Um, the, the Mavic Mini, the one we talked about, is it does have several several different flying modes. Um, and those are correspond with uh, speeds from 4 meters per second to 13 meters per second. And the default, if you just turn it on out of the box, it flies at 8 meters per second, which, yeah, feels kind of decent, right? Um, take the next, next one up, the next bigger one, the Mavic Air, that's the one I'm flying. Well, that one flies... Uh, in two different modes, uh, standard mode is 8 meters per second and the uh, sports mode is 19 meters per second. So instead of the maximum speed of 13, it's 19. And the Mavic 2 Pro, the bigger one um, yet, is, is 20 meters per second. 
So even faster. And if we, <laughs> if we look up, okay, meters per second won't tell you anything, right? What does that even mean? Um, so if you look online, uh, four meters per second, that would be a gentle breeze. So if you fly the Mavic Mini in its slowest mode, a gentle breeze will be too fast for it. And just, just imagine a four meters per second gentle breeze coming at the drone from the front. The drone will not move, even if you go as fast as you want in that in that basic mode. If you go to the eight meters per second, which is, again, the, the, the somewhere in the middle ballpark for the Mavic Mini, that is a moderate to fresh breeze. Um, if you go to 13 meters per second, and that is the Mavic Mini's top speed, that is a strong breeze. That's not even a gale. It's just a strong breeze. And uh, 19 meters per second, that's where a gale kind of starts. And that's where all those drones are kind of getting in trouble. But you don't need amazingly fast wind speeds uh, to to not be able to fly the Mini anymore or to not be able to return it home anymore. So, in short, my conclusion, <laughs> the, the Mavic Mini has... A, a much bigger chance to be affected by wind speeds than any other DJI drone on the market right now. And uh, of course, I want to see statistics in a year or two from now because that means that uh, that more of these will, will fail, will get lost, and uh, you'll definitely have fewer chances of actually flying it. Let me take a quick break for this week's sponsor, Acuity. Acuity is the online scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar. A hands-off scheduling experience means you'll have more time to keep your hands on your camera. First, clients can quickly view your real-time availability and self-book their own appointments, reschedule with a click, and even pay online. From the moment clients book with you, Acuity offers support by automatically sending personalized booking confirmations and text reminders, which is super helpful when you shooting off the grid and don't have time for any email ping pong. Acuity also collects everything you need to know about a client as soon as they book by asking them to fill out customizable intake forms when scheduling, keeping all of their information neat and tidy in one place. And the online assistant helps you reach clients where they already are on social media. With your Facebook business page or Instagram's booking button, your next client is only a click away. Save yourself from the day-to-day -day drudgery of having to keep up with your clients and your busy schedule by using Acuity Scheduling. Right now, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free, no credit card required by going to acuityscheduling.com slash top floor. That's acuityscheduling.com slash top floor. And I thank them for the support. Okay, back to the drone because I've just remembered one situation where, uh, where I flew the Mavic Air up in Norway, northern Norway, up up over the sea, like at, I don't know, 150 feet altitude, not that high. And the drone was, wasn't even anywhere near its battery limit. But, uh, but just the fact that there was much stronger wind higher up at altitude, uh, that meant that, <laughs> that I had a really hard time making it come back to me at all. That was a bit of a scary thing. Um, at its default setting, the, up there, the wind was so strong that it couldn't move against the wind at all. It, it would just drift away from me as hard as I tried. So I had to switch to sports mode to get kind of a bit more speed out of it. And that, of course, increased the battery consumption even more. <laughs> so the only way to get it back to me was I had to lower the flying altitude because lower down, the wind wasn't as strong. 
So I, I just get the picture. The drone is flying at, I don't know, like five feet above the moving sea. The sea wasn't calm because, of course, these wind speeds uh, make the sea a foam a bit <laughs> so i was zipping across the sea at five feet uh height and then yeah the effective speed well it, it was not zipping that's the problem because it still was a headwind so um the speed of the drone the ground speed of the drone was like something like one mile per hour so those were probably the longest five minutes ever that i waited on my drone to come back so, again, while the Mavic Mini is certainly an amazing piece of technology, I kind of want one. I don't need one. Uh, and, again, I'm not sure how often I can fly it because of the wind that uh, it might encounter. But uh, despite it being this amazing piece of technology, here's my prediction, okay? Based on the fact that the, that the Mini specifically targets new and, uh, and inexperienced drone pilots... Which, yeah, that that will be the biggest customer group. And based on the fact that it doesn't have, like, it doesn't even have, like, the, the extensive collision avoidance systems that most of the bigger ones have, I predict, that, <laughs> I predict that the number of lost Mavic Minis will be dramatically higher than on any of the others. And, yeah, I'd love to see those statistics. <laughs> All right, enough about the drone. Um, it's picture-taking time. Uh, we do this every episode, and uh, yeah, I want to formalize it a bit more um, because the the mini assignment. No, I will not play the elevator music today. the The mini assignment is uh, something that we've been doing assignments on the every week or every month on the Tech Guy Radio Show. So there's this uh, radio show I'm a guest on every Sunday at twelve thirty three Pacific time, uh, right afternoon. Um, and uh, we talk about photography and I also give out an assignment once a month and then uh, we I, I look at the pictures when they come back. Now, I won't go that far, but um, I want you to show your pictures. And what we do there on the Tech Guy Show is that for a while we've now been using the alphabet. Every episode we do another letter of the alphabet and do an assignment based on that. And I, I kind of want to steal that for for this podcast so um today it's the letter a and uh, the assignment is aperture simple assignment um you'll need a camera for it that that you can set to aperture priority um if if you're shooting in automatic mode that's uh, yeah that might be scary but hey try it uh, it's on on canon cameras it's the av mode on other cameras it's the a mode um, just look it up in your camera's manual aperture priority is the one you want to shoot in and uh, shoot three photos of the same thing from the same distance but of course shoot all three at different apertures one at the most open the biggest the the smallest number one at the highest number and one in the middle and uh yeah post them on any social media you like Let's see what you can come up with. The official hashtag for the Aperture assignment is TFTTF, hashtag assignment, hashtag Aperture. We're almost at the main topic of the show, but before we do that, just a quick word from this week's sponsor, HoneyBook. It's what you've always dreamed of, right? You started your own business. You have no boss. You are the boss. But reality check, running your own business is hard. Thankfully, 
HoneyBook makes it easy. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners that want to consolidate services they already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. Simplify your to-do list and stay in control with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering you, the listeners of TFTTF, 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash topfloor. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to honeybook.com slash topfloor for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash topfloor. All right, let, let's, let's nerd out for a minute. Let's, uh, let's open up a new topic. And that topic is compression. And I'm, I'm not talking about JPEG compression to save data. I'm talking about what is often referred to as compression in telephoto lenses. Um, it, it pretty much has to do with how different focal lengths change the depth relation of things in a photo, like how depth is ported in a photo. And the listener, Stuart, has sent in this question about it. Guten Tag, Chris. This is Stuart from Scotland. Long-time listener, first time asking a question. It's in relation to micro four-thirds cameras and compression. Now, I've often heard it said that on a full-frame camera, the uh, 70 to 200mm lens at the 200mm limit, the facial features are compressed, which makes it aesthetically pleasing. Now, I'm currently looking at Olympus 35 to 100mm for a micro four-thirds camera, which it says is a 70 to 200mm equivalent. However, I always thought the equivalency was based on a field of view rather than the length of the lens. So, would a micro four-thirds camera at the 100mm lens limit be the same level of compression as a 200mm on a full frame? I'm just wondering about the question regarding compression and focal lengths for micro four-thirds. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Um, okay, uh, first of all, let, let, let's try to chop this into smaller pieces because um, it, it took me a bit to wrap my mind around it. And um, yeah, so let, let me try to help you to wrap your mind around it too. Because first of all, uh, and I think that that's really kind of the most important thing here is that 100 millimeters are 100 millimeters. If it says 100 millimeters on your lens, it's a 100 millimeter lens. And that does not, it does not matter what camera you put this on, what sensor size the camera has. Um, you don't have to go through any conversion between focal lengths because focal length is focal length. The only thing that that changes if you let's say swap this this 100 milliliter uh, milliliter 100 millimeter lens between a micro four thirds camera and a full frame camera is the angle of view. The smaller the sensor, the less you see of the same image. The lens produces the same image but the camera's sensor doesn't see as much. That's the only thing that changes, angle of view. And that explains why, why wide angle is easier to get on a full-frame camera than, than on one with a smaller sensor, because, again, the same lens will give you more image angle on a bigger sensor. So bigger sensors make more wide angle. Back to the compression thing. The compression, again, not JPEG compression, we're talking image compression, depth compression. 
Um, and here's how that manifests itself. If you shoot wide angle, let's assume you have a really wide angle lens on there. Uh, things that are close to the camera appear much bigger in relation to things that are far away from the camera. Um, that's sometimes referred to as expansion, depth expansion. And that is why, uh, let's say, with a super wide angle, you often get a, that comical effect, like the subject being super huge in a shot, uh, while the background almost kind of disappears in the distance. And this also means that if you shoot a portrait with a super wide angle, um, chances are that that's typically very comical because chances are that the person's nose will be like huge in the photo. Uh, at the same time, the ears are are tiny because they are further away and the depth is exaggerated. And yeah, that has an effect that we can use to quite a comical effect. So if in turn you take a telephoto lens and point it, let's, let's look at it as an example, go out in the street and, and point it along the street of a, uh, the, uh, along the side of the road at, at the parked cars and uh, you look at the again, telephone, and you look at the size of the parked cars at different distances, then you'll find that with a photo, with a telephoto lens that they are not that different in size, despite being at different distances to you. So the depth here really makes, um, looks different, feels different, and you can measure that it's different. And the more telephoto you go, the more flat everything looks. And that effect is often referred to as compression. In in portraiture, that's the reason why you will often read that that like an eighty millimeter, eighty five millimeter to let's say a hundred millimeter focal range is ideal for portraits because that's that's like a slight telephoto, um, which will make a portrait more pleasing because it doesn't give you that big nose with tiny ears. It evens things out because it's a slight telephoto. It makes makes people's noses look smaller even than they even are. So. It's kind of pleasing because people don't like big noses. They don't. Um, and we have all seen that effect, yes? I have. You have. It's pleasing, right? Nice portraits with a lens like this. However, <laughs> here's the biggest but. Let me clear up. I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions in photography uh, because what we see what we see often referred to as compression in a telephoto lens has nothing at all to do with the camera and it has nothing at all to do with the focal length that is in use. Nothing at all. All right, stay with me. <laughs> stay with me. We've already established that the same focal length on different sensor sizes is still the same focal length. Just to, Your camera just sees a different angle of view. So far, so good. The only sh the only thing that changes now um, the only thing that changes how how depth of, how depth is portrayed by your camera uh, portrayed by your camera is the distance between your camera and your subject. It's the distance. It's not the focal length. It's not the angle of view. It is your distance. If you don't believe me, here's a very simple experiment that might convince you. Uh, put your camera on a tripod, and then. Uh, put a zoom lens on the camera, uh, 24 to 105, something in the middle range. If you have a kit lens, that's fine too. And then point your camera at a subject that has depth, not a flat wall, just something that has depth in it. 
Maybe at a tabletop, few things at different distances, right? Okay, next. Take a photo and take that same photo at different focal lengths. Zoom all the way out, take the picture. Zoom further in, take the picture. Zoom all the way in, take that picture. So you end up with a few pictures of the same thing taken at different focal lengths. Next, take all these photos and crop them so they all show the subject at the same size, which means that the you'll have to crop stuff away from the wider angle photos. So they all show the same thing at the same size, the same framing, pretty much. And of course, with a wide angle lens, you lose quite a few pixels this way. This is not about the resolution. This is about what the photo looks like. Next, compare those photos. Again, they've all been taken from the same position. All of the same thing at the same distance. You will end up with several photos that are almost the same. There's no compression between the 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 Mortelli photo ones do not show any compression as compared to the wider angle ones. Again, they have been taken at different focal lengths, but they will be the same. Now, of course, because of the crop, the photos have different resolution. Perfectly fine. But other than that, the only thing that's different between these photos is the depth of field because different focal lengths have different depth of field so you will see some of those with a bigger uh, with a more more bokeh in the back um, but again this elusive compression thing doesn't exist you cannot see it because different focal lengths don't do that they only change the angle of view okay okay some of you might still not be convinced so let's go one step further here's here's your next exercise Leave the tripod where it is, take the camera off, use a different camera with a different size sensor and then put that on the tripod and take that same photo from that same tripod at the same location. And again, then crop what you took to the same framing. And again, the only difference is, is the depth of field and the resolution because of the crop. It's not, there's no compression, it doesn't exist just doesn't exist this this depth will only change when you change the distance between the camera and the subject so there you have it but of course <laughs> i hear some of you say but i see that compression with my own eyes all the time and and yes of course you do I see that compression too, but it's not due to the camera or, or the focal length. It has nothing to do with that. It is a consequence of the focal length because, because a different focal length, of course, dictates a different distance from your subject. If you shoot wide angle, yes, you will have to be very close for your subject to have any, any good size in the photo. So you are changing the distance and then the depth will be exaggerated because you're really close. And if you shoot telephoto, then of course you will step back. You will increase your distance. And that's why depth doesn't play as much a role anymore. So <laughs> next time you hear the term compression in conjunction with the telephoto lens, you know that all it is is the distance between you and the subject.
All right, make make sure you keep an eye on that distance. Here we go. It's the end of this episode, and uh, I want to thank Acuity and Honeybook for the support. I'm gonna miss you guys next year. But hey, there's still you out there, you, everyone who's listening to the show, and especially the supporters on Patreon. And I'm really glad you're there because uh, you chip in a dollar per episode. And I know that's not much, but uh, if enough people do that, it will help me keep this podcast going, even even after losing my sponsors uh, beginning of next year. Yeah, that will hurt. But, you know, I, I just can't sell out to, to, to a big corporation to let them insert advertising in this show. I, yeah, it's just not... It's just not what I do. And uh, I'm still very open for new sponsorships. I'd be especially happy to find a long-term sponsor, similar to what we do on the German Happy Shooting Podcast. So if you have an idea, let me know. But of course, this is where I say thank you to all the Patreon supporters. Here's the list of the great people who decided to help out. Jeremy Kirvin, Jeffrey Block, Alex Croso, Bernard Goldbach, Daniel Herzrich, Ken Davidson, Leslie Ridlin, Marco Binder, Matt Armstead, uh, Peter Morrow, Scott Wurzel, Tom Stewart, Eran Pinasov, Stu Silverman, Alex Bruce Horn, Andrew B., Andy Anthony, Bill Batten, Chadley Clark, Chandra, Daniel Goldberg, David Smith, David Recht, N. Kyung, Francesco Scaglioni, Greg Anastasi, Holger Krupp, James Trimble, Jim Caldwell, John Donahue, Josh Hopko, Jasmine AMR, Ken Birian, Kyle Nishioka, Marvin Aaron, Michael Grunert, Peter M. Spradling, Rob Duber, Rob Jemmett, Robert Goschko, Ryan Gilio, Sina Farhat, Stephen Sandler, Thomas Nielsen, Trevor Palmer and Woody. And I thank you all so much. And again, you can join the wonderful group of Patreon supporters at tfttf.com slash Patreon. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, Silent Partner, and HP Kagerud, Publishing and Slack Challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Rassiter, Armstead, Slack Invitations by Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ, and the link to get on the Slack is in the show notes um, or just type in tfttf.com slash wislack w-h-y-s-l-a-c-k my name is Chris Marquardt you'll find me on social media at Chris M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T go out and take amazing photos share them with the world be nice to each other and happy shooting <laughs>